done. Our analysts break down fights, bring you pre-bout predictions and previews, plus talk all things MMA, from the UFC to Bellator. It's every show in between. If it's a fight, we have you covered. Are you ready? Baseline Times presents TJ Labello, Josh Thomas, and Cody Gwynn with Baseline MMA. Welcome to the latest edition of Baseline MMA. It is a big fight week as we're getting set for the huge pay-per-view back on Fight Island UFC 253. Cody and Josh here with you as always. Before we get to Fight Island, uh, we had a little bit of business to take care of here in the States as a big finale before the UFC jumped back to their uh, little sort of almost deserted island where they just put on fistfights. As crazy as that sounds, but that's 2020 for you. Uh, the last big show, though, Josh, we had a lot of fun. First off, Josh, man, I'm just skipping right ahead. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing? No problem at all. <laughs> I was just going right into it because there's just a lot of stuff to talk about. Now, big time uh, UFC fight night show. We'll start right from the top, man. It was uh, a fight that was just highly anticipated, a rivalry. Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley. I think for the most part, fight went uh, about as expected, at least I, I think from probably both our perspectives. Uh, ended a little bit oddly, a little anticlimactic. I know uh, there's a lot of people who thought Tyron Woodley was uh, maybe just sort of uh, you know, trying to get out of there without you know going through the whole decision process or possibly getting legit finished. But it uh, turns out he uploads a pitcher. It's a legit pretty bad broken rib. Uh, so it's a fifth-round TKO win for Kobe. And, and then, of course – I think, again, we already knew what would happen after the fight. And uh, sure enough, really, everything we thought would happen pretty much did. Yeah, man, I uh, I didn't see that fight going any other way than it did. I mean, maybe if you were to if you were to propose this fight maybe two years ago, maybe a little bit different of an outcome, right? You know, at one point, Tyron Woodley, you know, he viciously knocked out Robbie Lawler, uh, had two incredible fights with Wonder Boy. Uh, really precision chess matches both times where he, you know, he dropped Wonder Boy um, and then, you know, kind of schooled Damian Maya. But I mean, this two years ago, this would have been an incredible fight. Uh, Saturday, this is kind of lackluster, you know, I mean, uh, what it done, it really highlighted Colby Covington. And a lot of people really shit on Colby Covington a lot, but I thought his kickboxing looked really good. His, his pressure looked pretty good uh, for a guy that had a broken jaw back in, what was that? December or early, early January. Yeah, late December. Yeah, so for a guy that had a broken jaw uh, late December, I mean, he he seemingly seemingly took punches very well, uh, and you know, it kind of it was a, it was the the victory that we all thought it would be uh, a little bit more anticlimactic with the finish. Uh, props to Tyron Woodley for pushing through that rib injury, though that shit looked terrible. Yeah, and it was it was a, a very one sided fight, and it goes back to what we were saying last week on the show, man. It, something happened to Woodley over these last couple of years where he just can't pull the trigger. And if you if you can't throw heavy punches at a guy you you've said repeatedly that you you really dislike, I mean, it's almost you start to wonder if you have any desire to fight anymore. And I mean, that's happened to so many guys, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. The only thing that is wrong with it is if you continue to fight and you continue to think that just magically one day you're going to have that back because it seems like, you know, I mean, if, if you go out there three straight fights and it's just not there, you just can't pull the trigger. You can't do anything. We know what happened against Usman. We kind of let that go by the wayside because of course now we're looking at Kamara Usman as a top 10 pound for pound guy. Uh, Gilbert Burns was just too explosive. We took that as Woodley sort of just taking a step back. He's getting older. Uh, but this fight again, I mean, this is a guy you legit don't like. 
you know, we really wondered if, you know, how the striking would match up because, you know, from on paper, we thought it'd be pretty even in terms of striking against Kobe's high pace and Woodley's power. But again, I mean, there's, there's just no, no desire for Woodley to, to try to really get a finish or, or try to do much of anything for the third straight fight. I mean, third straight fight, he has just been not beaten. We've seen plenty of fighters, Josh, go on three, four, even five, six fights, losing streaks. But I mean, this is the first time in a long time I can remember a guy who's in the top 10, you know, a, you know, former champion just completely lose his killer instinct. Yeah. And you can look at Donald Cerrone, you know, in the, uh, in the co-main event, you know, Donald's on a, a bit of a skid right now. Uh, people would arguably say that he, he beat Anthony Pettis, but uh, you know, Cerrone's on a skid, but he's kind of making it competitive. Whereas Woodley was just, I mean, flat out out outclassed. I mean, it's, it's so weird. It almost makes you wonder, um, if maybe Woodley's maybe going into these fights with these little nagging injuries, you know, you mentioned he was getting a little bit older. Uh, it just kind of makes you wonder where his mindset is. You know, he had a show with TMZ for a while. You know, he has a, a rap career that a lot of people like to talk about, but he, he has so much going on. You almost have to wonder how much is left in the tank for fighting. Um, and then you almost have to wonder, and you know, I've seen it posted around Twitter and, and, you know, I hate uh, talking about rumors and whatnot, but I've seen a lot of people, um, kind of hinting towards the fact that he might have been on some sort of performance-enhancing supplements, which, you know, granted, we will truly never know, but it's just – it's it's so weird seeing the shell of Woodley, the guy that knocked out Robbie Lawler, who uh, at the time was the absolute boogeyman. He just, you know, one-shot KO'd him and then followed up on the ground. It's just so weird seeing him fight now, man. But, uh, you know, not taking anything from Tyrone – I mean, Colby put on a master class as well, man. You you said it right. That high pace, that intensity, that pressure. I mean, he was stuck to Woodley like glue. Um, and when he wasn't, I mean, it, it was beautiful kickboxing. You know, these beautiful kicks to the ribs. Um, you know, really, really good hands. I mean, Colby seemed like he was really on his game uh, Saturday night. So, not to take anything away from Woodley, you know, you got to give some credit to Colby. But um, how about that call from the president of the United States after the fight? <laughs> right yeah. is that a, is that a ufc first uh at least for what i know i mean that's that's a crazy thing and it's part of you know colby's definitely got you know in a weird way it's almost like the tito ortiz star power where you you really hate the guy but you hate him so much uh, not speaking from my perspective but i mean in general you know for the, the majority of fans you hate him so much that you will pay to watch him fight in hopes that you see him just get destroyed or just get beat up so bad absolutely and that's a great thing to have you know that's an amazing you know that's a good way to become a superstar in the sport you know every every fighter wants to become that fan favorite superstar but you you need good bad guys and we've seen many over the years and from Tito Ortiz to Chelsea Sun and to now to what Kobe Covington is doing and you know Kobe in terms of what's next from this fight I mean you got to think he's putting himself right in line for one of those two big fights either another shot against Kamar Usman because I mean look that fight ended abruptly in the fifth round when he got his jaw broke and the referee stopped it and Kobe was unhappy with the stoppage because that was a close fight I had Usman winning the fight and if Usman would have won the fifth round I would have had him winning that fight 49-46 but it was much closer than that score indicates or you, of course, have that rivalry matchup with uh, Jorge Masvidal, and uh, I don't. I think we agreed on this last week. You know, I just really don't like the idea of Masvidal fighting Diaz for the make-believe title. I, I don't like that. I think you know we keep the division moving forward. Masvidal lost to Usman on short notice. I know he wanted that fight again with a full camp. 
Colby had the rivalry fight with Usman, and he's by far the guy who's looked the best against Usman, even in a loss. I think that fight makes the most sense. I, I think, I, you know, for my money, you know, we're getting Usman, we're getting Gilbert Burns. Burns deserves that fight. But I think in terms of what's next for the welterweight division, of course, Leon Edwards is the guy who's kind of highlighted, but also got a, a strike through his name because it's just hard telling who we're when he'll fight due to the fact that so many guys are, are not wanting to fight him for whatever reason. But I think Covington and Masvidal makes the most sense. And, uh, you know, me and you both seen that thing today on Discord where Robbie Lawler is looking like he's going to fight Mike Perry. And I, I right after the fight, I thought, you know, Woodley's definitely retiring or he has to fight someone who's also – you know, falling in his career, not an up-and-comer. And the, the first two names that came to mind were rematches. Was Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler, too, or Tyron Woodley, Carlos Condit, too? Those were the fights that make sense. You know, Woodley, obviously, I don't, I don't think can hang with these top 10 killers anymore, but uh, those are two fights that I, I was interested in. Uh, how do you see both the guys going from here? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. For Colby Covington, I mean, you just kind of set yourself up for another rematch, uh, especially with the antics after the fight, you know, uh, yeah. having – uh, Kamaru Usman on broadcast and um, you know I, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch and in, you said you had it scored 49-46 for Usman I actually had it uh, I had it in Colby's favor actually okay yeah so I mean it was a very close fight man it was one of those fights that it was very competitive it's the very first time we ever seen Kamaru Usman really in this kind of competitive close fight um, and for Colby Covington you know it's a lot of it was it was the first time that a lot of the newer fans seen him uh, in, in some struggle as well. So I think that's definitely the rematch to make. Uh, if you don't make that, then yeah, give him, give him George Masvidal. I, I, I don't like the idea of a Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight, uh, rematch. I don't, it was so, it was so one-sided that I don't, I don't see the reasoning for that. You know, um, nine times out of 10 outside of the fake belt, those guys would have fought in a three round fight anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so as, as far as my opinion goes, and you know, I love the Diaz brothers, but just, you know, move on, move, move up and move on. Uh, so for Colby, you know, I, it has to be Jorge Masvidal or it has to be uh, Kamaru Usman. Now I would not be uh, disappointed if maybe Usman was to get hurt and Colby was to fight Burns for an interim title. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset at that at all. Uh, it, you know, hoping that Kamaru doesn't get hurt, but I'm just saying in the event that that was to happen, you know, I would, I'd be perfectly cool with that. Yeah. Be a, be uh, at, as far as Tyron Woodley, man, as much as, you know, because I, I like, I like Woodley, um, you know, even though he fought my, my teammate and Steven Thompson, <laughs> uh, I like, I like Woodley, man. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I would rather see a Woodley Lawler rematch now that we're kind of, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit more even now. You know what I mean? Um, so I would like that. Or even, you know, Kamaru – or I'm sorry, uh, Tyron Woodley and, and Carlos Connick. You, you, you nailed it right on the head. Two guys who are both on their way out. Or I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but Diego Sanchez and, and Tyron Woodley, you know? Yep. And we'll talk about Diego because he's actually fighting this weekend. Uh, just sort of looking through the rest of this card, you know, this was actually a pretty stacked card. We've seen a lot of good things. Uh, the Cowboy Nico Price fight w was wild. Uh, the fa my, my favorite thing I've seen on Twitter the entire weekend was someone saying, if Nico Price makes Donald Cowboy Cerrone look at him like he's crazy, then you know he's for real crazy. And Nico really showed that. He was, he was a wild man in that fight. And uh, won the fight, but due to having a point taken away in the first round due to uh, multiple eye pokes, fight ends up being a draw. Uh, there was one terrible scorecard that actually gave the second and third round to Cerrone. And Cerrone, I, I believe, may have won the third, but it was close. I, I thought he definitely lost the first two rounds. 
Uh, but Nico Price looked outstanding. And uh, we'll leave one fight off for just a minute. Johnny Walker had a big first-round knockout. Mackenzie Dern, a big first-round submission as Randa Marcos just executed the worst game plan I've ever seen in my entire life. And then Kevin Holland <laughs> and Darren Stewart had a, had a pretty fun scrap to, to kick off the card. Uh, the fight was a little bit slower paced than I think a lot of us thought it would be. Uh, but Ke- Kevin Holland sort of squeaked out a decision there. So uh, what really stood out to you on the main card, excluding the one fight we'll talk about shortly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Man, let me tell you about Kevin Holland and Darren Stewart. Uh, first off, that was that was something, right? Um, you know, Darren kind of has this nickname, you know, the dentist. And, I mean, he, he showed in his last fight against Mikey Patola. Like, he is competent on the ground. Um, against Kevin Holland, I mean, he showed just that, that he's definitely competent on the feet and on the ground. At middleweight, I'm truly excited for both of these guys to kind of move up in the ranks and, uh, and kind of fight some, some uh, higher competition. What really stood out to me, though, was Kevin Holland going right up to Dana White and asking for a rematch because he didn't feel comfortable with that win. Yeah, that, that right there just it, – it, I mean, it's one of those moves that it'll, it'll win the fans over, but you can kind of tell it was very sincere. You know, he didn't expect cameras to follow him. He didn't expect Dana White to be live on Instagram the, the exact moment that it happened as well. Uh, so, for me, that just really showed um, just how real Kevin Holland is. And, and I think if, if these two guys weren't uh, on their way to stardom before that fight, they definitely are now. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, you know, Mackenzie Dern, that's, that's one of those things we talked about where the second it hits the ground, it's, it's, she's a shark and Randa Marcos definitely, uh, couldn't swim that night. You know, there's nothing against Randa Marcos. She's now 10, 10, 10 and one in the UFC. Uh, she's one of those fighters that, you know, we've seen her on the ultimate fighter and, and, you know, we kind of, we all know her backstory and, and we all know her and, and she's, she's one of those girls that will definitely put on fun fights, but she can also be used kind of as a stepping stone. And uh, when Mackenzie Dern lost to Amanda Rebus, I think she needed a good stepping stone. And I think Randa Marcos is just that. Um, and then the Johnny Walker fight. Holy crap, dude. That, that fight stressed me out. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to lie. That, that was very stressful. And then, you know, the Nico and, and Donald Cerrone fight. Uh, I actually scored it a draw right before they, they announced it was a draw. I knew the, the, the point they took um, was definitely going to make it a draw because it was, it was seemingly competitive in the later stages of the fight. But, I think if anything, this definitely just blew Nico Price. Uh, it blew his stock out of the water because you're exactly right, man. When you out crazy Donald Cerrone, <laughs> hey man, good for you. Yeah, that was a wild one, and I, I love watching Nico Price fight. He's sort of on my list now of guys that I don't I don't want to miss. And then Johnny Walker. I mean, you called that one. He's just so wild. And I mean, you nailed it last week in your prediction where Ryan Spann was was doing great things, and it was like Ryan Spann just for some reason when so he just. It was just like he unhooked. Yeah, he just – I don't know what happened. I mean, he was rocking Walker. We know Walker doesn't have a great chin. He was tagging him and then shoots for one of those lazy double legs that puts yourself in a position to get elbowed. I don't care if they're side of your head, back of your head, in your neck. If you were at that position to get elbowed like that, you're you're not going to get the takedown any either way. So no, it no. was a silly move, and it leads to Walker getting a big win and then not celebrating after the fact. You know, he was very calm and collective. So, uh, you know, Walker obviously has got that questionable chin, which will always be a, a, a talking point when you're fighting at 205, which is just full of killers. And we'll see a new champion coming up this weekend, and we'll talk about that. But, but Walker still, he's got the ability to also finish you at any point of fight. So he's going to be a fun guy to build. And uh, Such a weird guy. <laughs> he, I mean, just so unusual. Look Those at eyes. Let me ask you this real quick, Josh, uh, before we talk about the Chamaya fight. Mackenzie Dern, do you think in you know the end of the year, 2021, do you think she'll end up being a top five strawweight? 
from what we've seen of her on the feet, she actually looked like uh, like she was throwing uh, pretty textbook punches and everything. You know, she had a pretty high guard. Um, if her striking keeps improving, absolutely. I mean, she she's a, a world champion jiu-jitsu fighter. Her striking is the only thing that really scares me. And, you know, going into that Chimaev fight, that was the same thing that we said about Chimaev. You know, the striking – when somebody's so good on the ground, it's it's incredible. You know, you look at guys like Damian Maya, uh, even guys like Ben Askren, right? But if they don't have the striking, all all fights start on the feet. Um, unless you're Ryan Hall, then you can just take somebody down and submit them, you know, super super quick. Um, you know, all all fights start on the feet, and that tends to be a weak link for a lot of these jujitsu fighters or jujitsu uh, world champions. So I would like to see her improve her striking, you know, maybe take some time uh, and just what, you know, just focus on your kickboxing, but I absolutely, she definitely could be. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying she can't. Um, I mean, if you look at, I don't know, man, if you, if you look at her weight class, I mean, um, you know, I see even girls like Tracy Cortez, you know, coming up the ranks. I see Tracy Cortez giving her problems. So, uh, she's definitely got to get something done with the striking, but absolutely, she can definitely be uh, a top ten, top five, and then absolutely make her way into title contention. And and she's already kind of a star, you know. She has the Brazilian market, she has uh, the American market. And she's absolutely gorgeous girl. So absolutely, yeah. I think you know, just looking at the way the rankings look and the way a lot of these weight classes play out, I really think that she's one of those fighters to really watch in the end of the year, into 2021, especially when you look at, you know, some potential fights. I mean, when I look at some of those up-and-comers, you know, I get a little worried, but I think she could be someone that kind of gets fast-tracked into a big-name opponent, a Michelle Watterson, a, a Tisha Torres. Uh, you know, I know Claudia Gadelia's got a fight coming up soon, but girls like that who are veterans who have been in title contention or title fights, but I think she has – a style where, you know, if she can get the fight on the ground, she's got a new boxing coach. She's she definitely improved on her striking. She wanted to strike in the fight, but when she slipped and fell to the ground, Randa Marcos and all her great intelligence, her fight IQ was out the window. She dives into the guard of, uh, you know, of McKenzie Dern. So we didn't get to see anything because Randa Marcos obviously didn't want to be in the UFC anymore and pretty much signed her cut papers by diving into an open guard of a world jiu-jitsu champion. So anyways, moving on from that, just to, I just feel like talking smack about that because that oh, was no, one of the, you're good. that was that was a terrible game. That was me. one of the silliest things I've ever seen in my entire life. You almost uh, have to wonder if that falls on her or her coaches, in which yeah. case both 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 parties should be ashamed. Well, it's interesting because that's a pretty good segue because I almost think Marcos was so worried about going to the ground with Dern that for some reason she instinctively just went to the ground with Mackenzie Dern. And it's almost where if you enter a fight that is so hyped and there's so much pressure on you you tell yourself to relax to just relax just relax go in there and fight i've done this 50 times almost just go relax and you come out tense as can be and get knocked out in under 20 seconds which is what happened to gerald mearshart uh tense as a board man i mean completely shoulders up you could see his traps you know he looked like he was in a bodybuilding competition showing off his traps that's how tense he was and uh, it took one clean straight from kazmat chemaev to put mearshart away and it's one of those things where, of course, it instantly takes Shemaya's name to another new level. Uh, but, but really, you know, in my opinion, and you would agree with this from your fight experience, and I know firsthand as well, you know, this is one of those things where I almost put all this on Mearshart, you know, for putting that much pressure on himself and being very clearly nervous and tense. 
that, you know, Chimaev was able to land one punch and get the finish. So I feel like, of course, now Chimaev's bandwagon gets bigger and Chimaev gets more popular. And we move on to now talking about Chimaev against Stephen Thompson, Chimaev against Leon Edwards. Of course, Chimaev against Damian Maia still uh, looks like is, is in the works. Uh, but to me, I still kind of feel the same way about Kazma Chimaev now than I did last week. Absolutely. I think this, this didn't really do anything for us, right? Yeah. Um, Gerald Mearshart came out visibly, visibly uncomfortable. Um, it, it's one of those things, Cody, you fought, I fought. We both know there are a lot of nerves leading up to a fight. But the second that you, you're get, you get told as an amateur, hey, you have a title fight, or hey, uh, you're fighting the former champ, or, you, you know, those nerves get intensified. Now take that and you multiply it by 100 because now you're a professional fighter fighting one of the biggest up-and-coming fighters uh, in your weight class who is absolutely terrifying on the ground. Um, so it, Gerald Mearshart came out, and he – I honestly thought, because he's had so many fights, man, 31 and 13, isn't that his, his, his record? It was I, leading in, yes. I thought that he would be much more comfortable in there. I thought he'd be a lot more loose. I thought he would be – I, I thought it would come down to one of those veteran uh, mindsets. You know what I mean? And it just – it's disappointing for Gerald Mearshart. It For Chemayev, you know, I'm sure it blew him into a, a different atmosphere. For me, it didn't really do much because, um, you know, any anybody, you know, that's that's what they say in self-defense. Um, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're using self-defense, stay loose, you know, because – um, nine times out of ten, when you tense up, you know it just it just makes everything worse. So to me, it didn't really do anything uh, star power wise. I know as far as the UFC goes and as far as fans go, now Chimaev is in his own um, like his own little bracket, you know. But for me, it just didn't really do much. I want to see him against somebody with very competent striking and a, and a decently competent ground game. You know, I've I've been saying this for weeks now. Derek Brunson, Derek Brunson is your guy. He just killed off one hype train. Give him the chance to kill off two, but he has. A competent enough grappling uh, ability that I think he could he could defend a takedown, and his striking is so weird. It's almost sloppy, but it's so weird that that a normal textbook striker can't, uh, you know, they can't just really unload on him. You know what I mean? It, it takes, you know, it took Israel Adesanya, it took uh, Robert Whitaker. You know, they had to to really feel him out before they were able to finish him. I've been saying Derek Brunson is your guy, um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. It didn't really do a lot a lot for me. You know what I mean? I think, and you know, you talk about this card up, you know, from, from the bottom to top. I mean, it's absolutely filled with stars, but there was a lot of up-and-coming talent on this card. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this was a big-time coming-out, you know, performance for Shemaya to really really state that. I mean, you've seen it all over social media, and I agree. I think there's a lot of fights to make, and Derek Brunson's definitely one of those names. Damian Maya's one of those names, but I think Shemaev and you know, his management team, possibly, uh, they're doing the right thing. You know, they're, they're trying to skip past all those fights. He's 9-0. Of course, you would like to see him in some different situations, but they're, they're trying to get right to the meat and bones of the different weight classes, whether it be middleweight, whether it be welterweight, calling out Stephen Thompson, calling out Leon Edwards. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, Jeff Neal's been a name that, that got brought up, I, I believe, today. So, you know, Ooh, those are all – That's a good fight. Yeah, that one looks like it actually could be in the works uh, because Shemaev actually said recently he's got a top-10 opponent who's now said he wanted to fight. There's only one that's not currently doing something, that's Neil. So, there's a lot of uh, – Neil Magny was also one of the names that was brought up. So, there's a ton of possibilities for Shemaev to go forward with. And, um, 
I, I think we're in agreement there. I, I just – I don't feel any different about him. I don't know if he – I still, you know, on the fence whether he's a guy who could legit be a contender or not. Uh, there's – I, I want to see him against – you know, like the Brunson and the Maya fights, you know, those are good matchups. But for me, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on board with skipping ahead and putting him with someone who's young and well-rounded. And, you know, if you want to, you know, jump the ball and put him, I mean, if no one else is going to fight Leon Edwards, shoot, let's do it. Let's let's make a five-round fight, you know, between Ooh. Leon Edwards and Kazmat Chimaev. And let's just see what happens. You know, either Leon Edwards can shut everybody up and beat the hype train or, you know, here we go. I mean, you take Chimaev from unranked to top five in a day, and then we're really talking about something. I like that idea, actually. That's, just, yeah, that's that's a good idea i mean i think that's just you know if there are two guys that i mean i mean there's not a lack of people wanting to fight shamayev you know he's kind of got that hype train where there's a lot of people thinking they can still test it while leon edwards is sort of the other way where people are like yeah that don't do anything for me and i'll probably lose so avoid that fight and if you notice of all the people colby didn't call out he didn't say anything about leon edwards so uh interesting scenario there uh quickly though josh uh, anything on the prelims jump out at you i know to me I was very impressed with Damon Jackson, who had just one fight in the UFC years ago. But overall, he was 17-3 and three and was uh, a, a big underdog on the card, but ended up coming in and getting a beautiful comeback submission against Bekchik. A, a beautiful performance there. Uh, Randy Costa, I know, is a guy you were a big fan of. And he came out and got that 40-second knockout. So some nice performances on the prelim as well. Tyson Nail, another nasty knockout. Yeah, Tyson Nail just keeps – impressing me uh, around two uh yeah 34 seconds into the first round a knockout over uh jerome rivera you know andre Ewell, uh of course my boy randy costa gotta gotta throw it up to the zohan uh coming out with a nasty head kick i mean absolutely beautiful and i will say cody before i move on randy costa looks like a young carlos condit doesn't he he does. He does. Yeah. And he's got a he's got a kind of a very unique style too that i just love to watch at that bantamweight division it's weird. I think Carlos Condit needs to get a, a DNA test. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, Derek Manor, you know, the 52-second the round one guillotine submission over TJ Laramie. You know, Laramie's one of those guys that made a name for himself on, on the Contender Series, and he came over, you know. Uh, Derek Manor, I mean, 25 and 11. No shame in losing to a guy that experienced. Uh, but that jumping gilly, man, Dustin Poirier has been, been telling y'all it's, it's gilly season. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark beating the absolute breaks off Sarah Alpar, which by the way, Cody, this absolutely fucking pissed me off. I, I try to not say the F word too much on the baseline MMA podcast, but this fucking pissed me off, man. Um, so our referee stopped this fight to look at a replay to see where a knee landed and then let them continue as Sarah Alpar is bleeding to death in the octagon. And then Jessica Rose Clark kept, Kept beating her. I mean, just absolutely pounded her. She went for a submission. Sarah Alpar, you know, we're, we're all fighters at heart, man. You know, it's hard to stop wanting to fight and wanting to win. And, and you know, Sarah Alpar showed no uh, no weakness. You know, she just she kept taking it, man. But, God, that fight pissed me off so bad. Hey, and, you, and you know what would have fixed all that? If everything we talked about last week happened – just look at the video replay and it's be like, right "Oh yeah, it's over." Or ask one of the other referees, "Hey, did what, did did he? Did she just knock her unconscious?" Oh, okay, cool. I mean, why why can't we do things like this? I just don't get it. And this is one of those times where you are supposed, like, according to the current rules, he was supposed to look at the replay and stop the fight. 
I don't think there's anywhere in the rule book that says look at the replay or even ask somebody. I think one of the doctors or somebody random said the knee was legal. So he just said, oh, okay, knee was legal. All right, resume fighting. Like, no, you stopped the fight. <laughs> so now it's a TKO finish. And, oh, man, Dana was heated. But I don't blame him. I mean, that's just silly stuff. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, the only time I would be like, okay, and Dominic Cruz kind of mentioned this on commentary, is if this fight was close or, you know, Alpar was – if, if there's any chance, and I know a fight's a fight all the way until the end, but I mean, there is realistically no way for Alpar to win that fight. There is no way because the fight even got resumed like full mount against the cage. So the ref pretty much put them back in a position, handcuffing Alpar to just say, when I say go, Clark's going to start beating the hell out of you again. Ready? Go. And I mean, it was one of those, it was the one of the craziest, most just cringeworthy things that I've ever seen. And I mean, it was a completely made-up rule on the fly. Yeah, it, man, it, uh, it, it really disappointed me. And, you know, as a fight fan, people are like, oh, you should love this stuff. You should love it. Man, I love, I love fighters getting to walk away and fight another day even more. So that just – it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Man, and Sarah, um, you know, more power to her, man. She did not give up. But Jessica Rose Clark did try to show a little bit of mercy by going for the submission. Uh, Sarah Alpar's – uh, I don't know if it was her ego or hell, maybe she was concussed and just you, going on uh, oh, yeah. pure muscle memory. You know, she's like, oh, no, you, you're not going to submit me. It just, it was one of those things that it just, we should not be talking about this right now. No, it's, we, it's we crazy. Should, it, yeah, this should have been avoided all the way around. Uh, but yeah, Jesse Rose Clark looked great though. A little, little slow start, you know, she's just not coming back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where Jesse Rose Clark goes now at, at women's Bantamweight. Uh, you know, uh, Mayra Silva and, and Mara Berea, they had a, a pretty good little, a pretty good little scramble there ended in a submission. Uh, Mayra Silva got the win. She's now seven and one. Uh, yeah, Damon Jackson really impressed me, man, getting just absolutely smothered. And then, you know, that, that guillotine, uh, finally, finally being there, you know, and, and Rasad Bektich, um, yeah, 13 and four in the UFC. Uh, or, I'm sorry, 13 and four overall. Still one of those guys at featherweight that's super dangerous. You know, he, he proved that in the first two rounds, but the gas tank is just a little sketchy. Yeah. Uh, and then David Dvorak and Jordan Espinosa was a treat, man. I love leg kicks. So David Dvorak, uh, man, those leg kicks were absolutely nasty. Jordan Espinosa's uh, one of the Jackson Wink fighters. Uh, and, you know, he looked really good, man, but David Dvorak is just too much for him. You know, it was a, is a decision win for Dvorak. Uh, still a, a pretty good fight, though. Yeah, and it was it was a fun all around fight card from start to finish. Again, you know, we started off with some good finishes, a few upsets. We got to see some good prospects, and then of course, capping off with some big names with with Donald Cerrone and, and the Covington Woodley rivalry. Hopefully, now coming to an end, and then of course, the rise of Kazmet Shemayev continuing on to fight island and speaking of fight island that's where we are this weekend josh we jump ahead to our next big pay-per-view ufc 253 will feature two world title fights as a, a light heavyweight champion not named john jones or daniel cormier will be crowned for the first time in uh, forever it's going to be very odd to see a different face next to the 205 title and when you look at promotional things and then uh, maybe in terms of overall record, one of the biggest main events uh, in history, when you have a 19 and 0 guy fighting a 13 and 0 guy. And, uh, you know, of course it's an interesting fight and we'll start there, Josh, with the Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa 
uh, main event fight. Uh, these guys are both undefeated, but it feels like, I don't know, man, for someone who's, who's watched a lot of fights from both these guys, we've seen Adesanya lose kickboxing matches, um, you know, of course, which it's only been very few out of hundreds. So he's world-class, but we, we have seen him get beat before. And Costa, we've seen him lose on the ultimate fighter over in Brazil, but nonetheless, overall MMA record, both undefeated and both guys have been on a tear. This is such an interesting fight because it's really the matchup of very accurate striking, uh, very pinpoint striking, just just truly some of the best overall world-class striking we've ever seen uh, in the sport against someone who's just got brutal power, who walks you down, who's got a chin on him. He ate some of those Yoel Romero punches. We, we've only seen a couple other people ever eat, and he ate them and served it right back up and ended up winning the fight. Uh, we have seen both guys deal with some adversity as well. We've seen Kelvin Gastelum, you know, and all the opponents that Adesanya's had. We've seen Kelvin Gastelum really give Adesanya trouble with power punching, which I think has worried some Adesanya fans fighting a super power puncher in, in Costa. But then we've seen Paulo Costa struggle against guys who have very good jabs, who can use their distance. So, uh, you know, when you think about things like that, how do you see this fight going? I mean, this is such a pick 'em fight for me. I've really not, uh, just to be honest, I know we're supposed to be doing picks soon, but that, that fight, I've just not got a pick down yet because I see it going multiple ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that. You know what, what I really, I hate to do this, but you know what fight that I'll, I'm probably going to compare my like reasoning to is Anderson Silva and Chris Lieben, right? Okay. Because Israel Adesanya um probably the most accurate uh most decorated striker in the UFC um I mean you nailed it on the head this guy's had over 100 and some odd fights and only lost I think six times you know one he lost one boxing match by decision uh it was knocked out one time kickboxing lost a couple decisions there uh against Paulo Costa who in, in this equation or this scenario would be Chris Lieben absolute power puncher man I mean, this guy, I was looking at some uh, some stats, actually, that I wanted to bring to you. Um, because Paulo Costa, when you, when you watch his tape, one of the things that really stand out, to me at least, is uh, the way that he goes to the body, right? His body work is absolutely phenomenal. Um, so for me, uh, sorry, I was trying to bring up the, 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 the record here. Um, he throws he throws a lot of body shots, man, and that's the only thing that kind of has me wanting to pull for Paulo Costa is the fact that he does rip to the body quite often. Uh, you know, so Israel does a really good job getting his head off the center line and getting kind of uh, – I don't want to say like out of harm's way, but, but he does get his head off the center line. But the way that Paulo Costa throws these body shots, and you've seen it against UL Romero, we've seen it really in, in – I mean, absolute wrecking ball fashion against Johnny Hendricks. We've seen it against Uriah Hall, uh, where he'll rip to the body and he'll rip right up to the head. And it's just, it's a lot of uppercuts, a lot of hooks, a lot of haymakers. It's a lot of really good, uh, it's a good, um, like, mixture of punches, right? Um, so for me, it could be a deciding factor and it could just be one of those things that people say and, and don't really think twice about, you know? Um, I just don't know, man. Paulo Costa is thirteen and zero. Israel Adesanya is nineteen and zero. The difference in nineteen and zero and thirteen and zero is this nineteen and zero, truthfully, has like seventy five other fights to go with that. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and we did see Paulo Costa get super gassed out on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, was uh, laying down, could not continue. Um, it's going to be a test for sure. 
What really kind of worries me is the fact that Kelvin Gastelum was able to drop Israel Adesanya and, and, you know, the power punches of Kelvin Gastelum. You know, you hit it right on the head. They gave Israel a lot of trouble. Uh, in that same regard, Uriah Hall and Yoel Romero both dropped Paulo Costa. So for me right now, it's a pick em, uh, but I'm kind of leaning more toward Izzy just because of the fact that I think uh, he's probably going to counter a lot more. And, you know, Paulo's probably going to blast in with some really explosive uh, punches. And I, I feel like Izzy probably isn't going to be there. It's probably going to be one of those things, uh, you know, those little pullback counters are probably going to add up. And, and you know, I, I truly think you know, a lot of people don't seem to, to think the same as me. I think it's going to go into the, the later rounds. I think it's going to go into deep water. Yeah, I'm actually with you there. I think this. I think Paulo Costa's got four minutes to win this fight. That's sort of the way I'm looking at it. He has he has four minutes to to throw one of those 100 punches and and knock out Israel Adesanya, catch him clean, and get a finish. Uh, but besides that, I really think Israel has multiple ways he can win. Whether he just stays on the outside and pops his jabs, uses low kicks, maybe works on the lower body of Costa. You can see Adesanya maybe move and maybe try to work a little clinch game. Or try to mix it up some. He's got very technical striking. He has the ability to win this fight uh, with an accurate strike that rocks or could finish Costa. He's got the ability to pepper him, wear him down, finish him in the later rounds. I also think if we're going to talk this fight going 25 minutes, there's a much higher chance of Adesanya winning on points than Costa. I, I think Costa's got, you know, I'm not saying after four minutes he'll be completely gassed or anything, but I just think it's going to be really hard to finish Israel Adesanya late in the fight. It would have to come in that first round or it would be very unlikely unless just Israel has, you know, just slows down. And we've seen Israel slow down before, but usually he does have the ability to sort of not keep pace or not keep the same intensity in the fifth round as he does in the first, but he does a pretty good job at controlling things, pacing himself and, and having a, at least gas in the tank in the fourth and fifth rounds of the fights we've seen go a little bit longer. So I think Adesanya can win this fight multiple ways, but I, I do know that Adesanya sometimes gets in brawls and a lot of times he will throw away that pinpoint technical striking for more of a brawl style fight. And if that happens, uh, I think there's a very good chance that, that Paulo Costa could connect and end up winning this fight in, in the first few minutes. But uh, I'm with you. I sort of lean with Adesanya and uh, I actually think this fight goes past the later rounds. I, I think this could be, I think we could see both title fights, honestly, uh, go to a five round decision, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear for a pay-per-view, but that's just sort of the way I'm looking at both these title fights. Uh, before we move on to the second title fight, I actually just found my, my little note here. So uh, Paulo Costa has the highest striking rate in the UFC, right, in UFC history, actually, at uh, 8.43 significant strikes landed per minute. That's significant strikes landed per minute. Um, and in five fights, he's thrown 117 head strikes and 104 body strikes uh, and only nine leg kicks. But still, when you, when you look at those two numbers – uh, you know, most people in a fight, they target the head, right? So for him to have 117 head strikes, that's, you know, it's pretty common. For you to have 104 body strikes, that's almost the same rate of head strikes. You're throwing the same rate of body strikes as well. And that body work does damage, man. You know it. Uh, people listening who've been in fights or, or uh, even people watching fights, you know, Jose Aldo absolutely murks people with those liver shots, man. Uh, most recently, Jeremy Stevens uh, yeah. dropped him, dropped him with a body shot. I mean, those body shots add up. Um, so that's one of those things where 
to a lot of people that that little fact that I just gave, they're probably going to be like, Oh, whatever. And, and you know, completely, Oh, this guy's an idiot. We, we truly won't know until Saturday night when we start seeing how this fight plays out. Uh, but I do think those body shots are going to be uh, a very big, a very huge pivotal point in the fight or uh, at least for Paulo Acosta's uh, game plan. I think both guys may have uh, body game plans. I think for, you know, Paulo, especially, you know, he loves to call Israel skinny. And I almost think that's him foreshadowing that he's going to tear up that body. But I also think when you're fighting a big guy that has a questionable gas tank, Israel will probably move and try to use more of a tie style, especially if Paulo closes the distance. That'll be when we start seeing Israel Asanya use his knees to the body. So uh, that could be a huge factor in this fight and possibly even the deciding factor. But uh, I do think, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that the, those first four minutes will be the – Yeah, will just be wild, you know. And it's, we'll learn a lot about how the rest of the fight will go depending on the first four minutes. If Adesanya stays on the outside, you know, I mean, his game plan may be to prolong the fight. Uh, I don't see Israel coming out as aggressive as we've seen him in the past. I think he may play it a bit safer knowing that he has a much higher probability of, of getting a win if that fight goes past the first five minutes. And uh, love two title fight cards. Wait, second fight. wait, 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 oh, wait, really, really quick, really quick. Okay, so uh, really quick. I actually teach Muay Thai based on Israel Adesanya. I, I teach a, a, a little, like a, a move, right, in Muay Thai that I learned from Israel Adesanya, it's a knee to the body and then a push away. Uh, it's the, the lead knee to the body and then you push away with your rear hand. But what I really wanted to say, Israel Adesanya uh, is on the UFC EA, the EA <laughs> UFC cover, right? Have you, seen this? Have you seen this shit? Yeah. So UFC, uh, EA, EA Sports UFC, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson were the first featured on the cover. Gustafson lost to Anthony Josh Johnson after the fight was released, and John Jones relinquished his title after that very first hit and run. You remember that? Yep. Then Conor McGregor was on it. He lost to Nate Diaz. Yep. Then he was on number three, and he lost to Khabib. Jorge Masvidal and Israel Adesanya shared the, the UFC 4 cover, and Jorge has already lost to Kamaru Usman. So we're going with Paulo. Oh, yeah. It's kind of looking like it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If, if I was a, a popular athlete and EA Sports called me, I'd hang up the phone. I'm not doing no Madden cover. I'm not being on any cover, man. Just put me in the game, but don't put me on no cover. If he uh, loses, then then they got to quit putting fighters on the cover. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll start seeing just shadow figures fighting on the cover. <laughs> it's um, just the logo. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, things like that are legit though. Cause I mean, you know, sometimes it just, that's usually a sign of, of how, how the hype is for a lot of these fighters. Once you're on the cover of the video game, then, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are leaning towards Paulo in this fight. And I actually see more and more each day, more people uh, on board with Costa. And uh, I'm not, I'm not officially there yet. I still am going to lean towards Adesanya, but uh, I do think that's going to be a, a crazy first round. Uh, I'm glad we're riding this fence together. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually not really off the fence for this fight either. It's the light heavyweight title fight. As good as Dominic Reyes looked against John Jones, um, you know, just 12-1 and one in his career. He's got a lot of great intangibles. I love his size. I love the way he's built. Uh, I think there's definitely potential for him to become the next long-term champion at 205 pounds, especially looking at the state of the division. Uh, Jan Blachowicz, though, is no joke. And is twenty six and eight, a veteran who has that Polish power. He's got heavy, heavy hands, and has been knocking out guys for a long time. He also has the ability to potentially overpower and stall out 
Dominic Reyes, who is a more lengthy and rangy guy. Um, there's a lot of different ways this fight could go as well. I've already kind of spoiled it and said that I think this fight's 25 minutes, uh, and I think it may be a, a close fight. Uh, if 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 Jan will use more of a wrestling style, I do also think this could be a 25-minute fight uh, of Blakovich getting picked apart by Dominic Reyes if he tries to strike and just look for that haymaker. Uh, but but either way, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting fight. It's definitely uh, an interesting fight when you think about the fact that uh, there's going to be a new light heavyweight champion uh, not named John or Daniel. Yeah, when you look at Dominic Reyes, Dominic Reyes had a absolute standout performance against John Jones. I mean, you go 25 minutes with the champ, and, and a lot of people seem to think that you've won that, then that, that speaks volumes. But what Jan Blahovich has done is he knocked out Corey Anderson. He knocked out Corey Anderson off of a leg kick. So Corey threw the leg kick and Jan blasted him into, into Bellator, truthfully. Uh, before that, he blasted, blasted Luke Rockhold into retirement. Um, Jan Blahovic has these heavy, heavy hands. And I truly, I hate to say it, but my mindset going into this fight is Dominic Reyes is going to be a little cocky based on that John Jones performance. And uh, I think he's going to hang his head just a little too high. I honestly think Polish power puts him to sleep, man. I, I, I understand where you're coming from when you say that you think it's going to go all 25, but I truly think because I, I watched Dominic Reyes in the days after the John Jones fight, I watched his Twitter, I watched his Instagram, I watched his interviews. Um, I just, I think that he, I think he's held on to this, this fact. Oh, I went 25 with John Jones. I think he's held on to that fact for so long, and he thinks that he is the undisputed champion, that he's almost looking over uh, Jan Blachowicz. And I, I think the Polish power just absolutely probably throws a, a right hook that just sends him into the next into the next week. You know, I just – I can't see it really going any other way. Dominic Reyes is really good. Don't get me wrong. You know, he, he killed Chris Weidman, you know, 25 minutes with John Jones. And that is something to really be, you know uh, – proud of and, and you know he should he should feel accomplished but in my mind it's just not um i don't know i think jan blahovich just has that that veteran grit and that that polish power and it's gonna it's gonna be the downfall of dominic reyes plus not only that in my mind dominic reyes lost to uh to vulcan ozdemir so yeah uh, I actually score. I actually had Reyes beating Uzumir, but I, I did not see a lot of controversy in the John Jones fight. I thought John won three rounds to two there. The interesting thing about this fight is, of course, Dominic Reyes is an outside fighter in all his fights, whether he's got a big reach advantage or not. Uh, it's just his style. And the only person he's ever really, you know, been like the lead guy was in the later rounds of that John Jones fight. Uh, Blakovich is going to have a reach advantage in this fight uh, by about an inch. So that's that's an interesting thing. I just I, I don't know. I really think, you know, it, I, I I hear what you're saying. I I really do, and I I think there is a good chance Reyes could come in there, but, you know, with a little bit on a pedestal, almost like he's the defending champion. And and if that happens, then there is a good chance that he gets caught by one of those big power punches of Blakovich, but or of Jan Blakovich. But I I think Reyes, you know in a way feels that he needs to prove something here, you know, that he needs to take over the division because this is a division that really has been the who's who. I mean, this is not a division where you've had kind of these, you know, in the, in between champions for a long time, uh, really since as far as the UFC has been around uh, the light heavyweight division has always been a little bit of, of a name value. You know, you go all the way back to the early days of Chuck Tito and, you know, 
Randy Couture, and then you start looking at the the Forrest Griffins, the Rashad Evans, Leonardo Machida, Shogun Hua, Rampage, and, then, and Rampage Jackson, and then you of course you jump to the John Jones era. You know the only time he lost the title was because he was you know doing cocaine and and going to strip clubs and hit people with his car, and then you got Daniel Cormier, who's one of the greatest of all time. So you know with all those names cleared out, you really open the door for potentially a next star to come in, and I think really realistically Dominic Reyes is looking at that as that's 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 what I'm fighting for it's not really just the title it's the title of being potentially yeah the next face of this division so with that in mind I would lean towards Dominic Reyes because he does have a lot to prove in this fight more than just winning the title or becoming the quote-unquote uncrowned champion uh but I I I hear what you're saying I, I think there's a very good chance uh if Reyes comes out it's already the in his head defending champion. Uh, this could be a huge performance for, for Jan Blakovich, just like it was against Rocco. And I think a lot of people thought Rocco would run through that fight, and it, it did not go that way. No, and, and you know, I scored Dominic Reyes, John Jones. I scored it for John Jones. You know, I thought John done enough to win. And, um, you know, but there was a lot of people talking, a lot of chatter on the internet. And Dominic Reyes kind of engaged in that. And he kind of, yeah. you know, he kind of he kind of bit into it. And, and I just think that just watching him uh, in interviews, watching him on the internet, you know, socials media, social medias, it just seems to me like Dominic Reyes is not looking at Jan Blahovich the way he should. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that's that's what really worries me, man, is the fact that you know Jan Blahovich has just put his last two opponents to sleep, uh, and he, you know in this he kind of is the veteran, and, and uh, I just feel like we, I feel like there's more tools for Jan Blahovich to use than Dominic Reyes. It's going to be undoubtedly, I think it's going to be a good fight. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we seen uh, a one for one kind of brawl right off the bat, you know, <laughs> just back and forth, you know, just slugging, but. I truly, I think, I think the Polish power pulls forward in that one. Um, but if you, you know, you look at the fight before that, you know, you have Israel Adesanya's uh, teammate, Kaikara France, taking on Brandon uh, Roy Val. How do you see that one going? You know, I, I love, you know, Kaikara France coming from, you know, that great camp full of just outstanding fighters, full of guys who are really on the up and up when you look at Dan Hooker as well. I mean, these guys have put something together. Uh, Roy Val's, you know, been on, you know, had some nice fights at flyweight. And of course this flyweight division to the restart button. So all these guys have sort of burst onto the scene and sort of the top 10, top 15 of the division. And we both know it takes one good win to jump into title contention at flyweight. But uh, I, I like Air France in this fight, uh, a veteran, you know, a guy that maybe a lot of people don't know, maybe not a household name or anything yet, but you know, dude's had 20 or no, had 30 fights. So he's been around a long time. I think he's an underrated guy to think about in this flyweight division. Uh, So I like him in that fight. Uh, Again, I'll go ahead and say this. People are not going to like this. If you're ordering this pay-per-view, I believe all five fights on the main card are going to decision. I know people hate that, but I will just tell you now, I think all five main card fights go to decision. So you're going to be up late, people. I, I truly I agree with you, man. I don't – especially – not to shit on flyweight because flyweight is one of my favorite divisions. Um, but those fights – tend to play out you know look at Dvorak and Espinosa we just seen last weekend you know yep. absolute banger of a fight went went on all three you know um yeah you're exactly right man the fight before this Ketlin Vieira versus Sajara Eubanks uh Sarge fighting Sarge man um and then Hakeem Duodu and uh Zubaira uh yeah Zubaira. <laughs> um, 
Um, I mean, I just I can't see early finishes. I would love to, but I just can't see early finishes. I, I think these are really meticulous matchups where um, it's going to take the full 15 for, for them to really figure each other out. And, and you know, that's perfectly fine, you know. Oh, yeah. I like I love Duwadu's game. I do think he may have the best chance to get a finish, but they're very evenly matched fights all the way through the main card. Absolutely. Yeah. It's looking like a great, uh, like a great night of fights, man. And then, you know, on the prelims, you know, you know, it's a really good fight. And I hate to say this because I, I really wish Diego would hang it up. You know, it's going to be a good fight night when Diego Sanchez is fighting on the undercard. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, you know, the UFC's uh, got some odd feelings about him being back in the mix. And he's going to have one cornerman this weekend. It's, it's, it's Stephen Bonner. So that's yes. interesting. Uh, Jake Matthews, though, is still just a young man. Been fighting since he was 19 years old in the UFC. Uh, 16 and four. It's a good chance for him to get a big win against a veteran. Shane Young, another one of those guys from uh, that exciting camp over there in Australia. He's going to be fighting on the card uh, against another one of those talented prospects in Ludovic Klein, who's 16 and two. Alex De Silva Colel, 21 and two against uh, Brad Rydell. So that's there's this fight is kind of it's kind of one of those underrated cards where they don't have the name value, so to speak, outside of Diego Sanchez. Uh, but look, as I said, if you watch the undercard, you're going to see some entertaining fights and probably some entertaining finishes. I'm just saying, when you order the pay-per-view, you're going to have a long night. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not its not that we're like shitting on these fighters or these matchups. These these could be absolute bangers. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just, it's just, that's, it's one of those nights where, you know, we could see some, some crazy shit, but um, yeah, as, as far as it goes, I just think we're going to see a lot of a lot of decisions and that's perfectly fine uh coming into fights like these though like these kind of these kind of pay-per-views and these kind of fight nights you really hope that the judges get it right uh oh, God, because yeah. these are these are a lot of really pivotal matchups to see where people kind of go from here um so that's that's kind of the only thing that really alarms me yep that uh you know we could see some some crazy stuff like we've seen uh, you know, over the weekend, you know, where the a ref made a very bad call, you know, we could very well see some bad judging. It's it's a lot of different factors that play into these, uh, that play into these fight nights. But um, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you started talking about Robbie Lawler and Mike Perry. That fight was announced today. It's going to be November the twenty first. That is something to look forward to. I really hope Robbie Lawler beats the shit out of Mike Perry. <laughs> <laughs> How are you seeing this going, man? Uh, man, uh, I guess I'll be the one that kind of busts the bubble here. I, I just am not sold on Robbie Lawler being a, a fight. I mean, they're, they're killing me with some of this matchmaking in terms of what they're doing with guys like Lawler and Cerrone I mean if you want to keep these guys around put them in a almost separate uh category uh, I have this thing on my computer that's a uh, it's a matchmaking almost game where you uh you get a roster of, of athletes of fighters and you can uh, match make them as you see fit and let the fights play out on a simulated thing and you can bracket the fighters with different categories and one of those categories is it's sort of like a – I forget what the game calls it. I think the game has a, a very negative word for it. I think it says has-beens. <laughs> but you can, you, can, <laughs> you can use that category, and it will separate that grouping of fighters. So when you're ready to book them, you book them against other has-beens, unless you don't like the fighter, and then you can put them against a contender. Uh, but, but, I mean, you want to keep guys like Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit and Donald Cerrone and guys like that around. 
a good way of not keeping them around is getting them knocked out viciously. Uh, Donald Cerrone, oh. <laughs> Donald Cerrone got overwhelmed against Nico Price, but was able to sort of hold on. I don't. I'm not a big fan of Mike Perry, and I think he's uh, very overrated. But I do think he swings for the fences and is never going to have a game plan. I am not 100% sure if Robbie Lawler's chin will be able to take that at this point in his career, especially if Robbie Lawler is um, not doesn't have that same game plan, doesn't have that same killer instinct. And I think we've seen that that killer instinct for him is not Tyron Woodley level knocked off yet, but it's not the same. You are absolutely breaking my heart. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I'm a longtime fan of Robbie Lawler, man. And, uh, yeah, you just, you just kind of broke my heart a little bit. But Here's the uh, thing, though. I love Robbie Lawler, too. But, I mean, the matchmaking is what's hurting him. You know what I mean? Put Robbie Lawler with – I mean, call Nick Diaz. Are you wanting to fight? Go fight Robbie Lawler. I mean, that's a good that's absolutely. a good fight. You know, let's do the Carlos Condit fight again. Let's have some fun. That was a fun fight. Let's not put him with, you know, a 31-year-old, you know, racist – homophobic kind of crazy lunatic i don't think that's a great idea yeah i'm i'm with you i the only reason so i kind of think i think differently right i think that robbie lawler had uh, a really good self-awareness against neil magny even though magny executes a game plan to perfection uh robbie lawler had this awareness where he, he knew okay i've got to be aggressive i've got to come out i've got to start swinging and he actually you know you can kind of tell neil was kind of backing up neil didn't want to get into those exchanges with robbie and that just kind of shows that robbie is still a little dangerous um and then you look at mike perry's most recent fight against uh mickey gall mickey gall yes hey mickey you so fine <laughs> i'm glad he didn't use that song this time coming out by the way. i was bummed he, he used the sopranos theme that was pretty cool mm. Um, he's, uh, um, but you know, Mickey Gall jabbed Mike Perry's face off that very first round. That's the only thing that, you know, Mike Perry is very hittable. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm hoping for the best for Robbie Lawler and the worst for Mike Perry, you know, just because I would like to see that guy in some sort of anger management or a drug rehab, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a used car salesman in South Florida, but whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not salty. Um, last week. I asked you, uh, or I, I propose that we give people fights in between, you know, cards or, you know, days before a card to, to look up and watch before, uh, the weekend. Right. Yep. Okay. Did you, did you do any research? Like, did you, did you have fights picked for this? Let me think. I can, I'm sure I can think of some. I'm good. I mean, I got, I got a encyclopedia in the back of my head. I might be able to come up with some. Okay, I've I've got two of them for you. Let's see them. I want to hear. Okay, them. I got two, and I hope that you would have two to to rebuttal with, right? Uh, one of the fights of the year in 2015. I've got Andre Arlovsky and Travis Brown. That's my first one, right? Okay. Super violent, back and forth, CTE everywhere. Uh, just an absolutely great fight, man. So I want the listeners to go and uh, and check into that. Uh, you know, after they listen to this podcast. My second one is Tony Ferguson versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Absolutely great fight. Five-round uh, main event, I think, in Mexico City, if I'm not mistaken. Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, uh, I think he was actually coming off that loss to Eddie Alvarez where Tony Ferguson was kind of rising in the ranks. And uh, Tony Ferguson does some cha-cha sliding and some, some salsa dancing in the middle of the octagon just put a performance on Rafael Dos Anjos. Those are my two that I would like to leave the fighters with this weekend. I like that. You know, uh, there's been a lot of talk here lately 
about the Ultimate Fighter getting a reboot. And you know, the UFC is uh, talking to a bunch of people. I've heard they're, they're talking to Connor. Uh, the latest rumor I heard was they uh, negotiated with Connor and Masvidal about possibly hosting the show. Uh, wouldn't make them commit to fighting each other. Uh, that was, of course, turned down. The UFC was talking to uh, uh, Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko about hosting the show, not committing to fighting each other. And uh, I believe Nunes turned it down. They're wanting some big some big time coaches on the show, but the show has changed format so much because it used to be, uh, you know, the coaches were cool, but it was about the fights and there's mm-hmm. been some amazing ultimate fighter fights. And, you know, of course, I'm not going to tell you to go watch Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. You know, I, that, of course, that's the greatest fight of all time, in my opinion, but there's some underrated 100%. fights. 100%. There's some underrated fights. Some of, one of my favorite seasons of The Ultimate Fighter uh, was season seven, and that was the uh, Amir Sadala season. I was a big fan of Amir Sadala because you got to remember he broke the rule. Uh, the US, you had to have like a minimum of five pro fights to try out for the show, and uh, Amir lied and because he didn't understand the difference in like amateur and pro, and he just said I have an overall record of like nine and one. And then he got there, and he impressed on Bloom away in his audition tape and or his audition and his tryout. And then they looked at his pro record, and he was literally one and zero. Oh. And they end up putting him on the show, and he ends up winning the show. Uh, but before that, there were some great fights. So if you want to look at uh, some Ultimate Fighter fights, you can of course watch these on Fight Pass, or if you want to not watch the whole show, you can usually YouTube and find them. But uh, CB Dalloway and Tim Crater had an amazing fight on that show where they were that show got crazy towards the end where it, the tournament got all messed up because uh, who was it? JT money. Jesse Taylor was uh, kicking out windows and stuff. So he didn't get to make it. And CB Dalloway was losing and coming back and losing and coming back. But uh, crater and Dalloway had a crazy fight. So if you're looking for one of those fights that had a, just wild grappling sequences. Uh, that's definitely one of them. Uh, just a great fight to watch. And then if you want to see more of Tim Crater, watch that same season and watch him fight Matt Riddle. So uh, I guess I'm on a Tim Crater binge. Oh, but Matt Riddle was that guy yeah. back in the day too. Matt Riddle, obviously, a lot of people know him now because he's a, a, a big time pro wrestling star. And he's on WWE every week, but you know he had a great. This is not a guy who washed out of MMA. This is a guy who pretty much got blackballed in MMA because of failed drug tests and things such as that. So he ended up having a a wild thing and. Crater and Riddle had an amazing fight. And at the end of the fight, Tim Crater was so impressed with what Riddle did. He bought him an Xbox for, <laughs> for the, from the money from the fight. So, uh, because they end up winning fight of the season. So that's just one of those crazy fights. Really. If you're one of the, if you have some time on your hands, the ultimate fighter season seven is, is by far my favorite season. Amir Sadala, Matt Brown had a crazy fight on that season. And of course you got the finale with Amir Sadala winning it. Uh, there are some underrated guys on that show. So, uh, going a little bit of a different direction than Josh there, but man, you know, I've just read a lot about the Ultimate Fighter coming back, and I, I think it shouldn't. I think the UFC should just ride the Contender Series because that's just such a fun format. But it makes me think of the good old days about the Ultimate Fighter and uh, season ten. I know season one and season ten get a lot of credit for being the one that got the ball rolling. Uh, season one, of course, the Forest season and Diego season, and then season ten was the Kimbo season. But season seven will always be just my favorite, man. I loved that cast. I loved all those fights. Uh, such a good watch, especially to look back now and watch that show. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I still watch The Ultimate Fighter, actually, man, because they, they put them all on uh, on Fight Pass. And, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad way to pass the time, man. And especially no. if you want to learn about some, some of the kind of, you know, the veterans that have kind of came and went through the sport. And I just want to go ahead and 
you know, I, this is kind of new. I want to give an honorary fighter of the day to Matt Riddle because that guy, man, you said he failed drug tests. He failed for marijuana, actually, so back in the day. Yeah, nothing I, crazy. Yeah, I know a lot of fans are like, oh, fucking cheat. No, he failed for no, marijuana. No, 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 yeah. Um, Matt it was just Riddle he failed three that. of them. <laughs> yeah, he was Nick Diaz uh, before Nick Diaz failed. Yeah. Um, but, no, man, he – he had an excellent run, um, you know, and he's one of those guys. He left to make more money in, in WWE, and, and, you know, he uh, he did get blackballed. And, uh, the Ultimate Fighter is super good, man. I, I still go back and watch all the older ones. My favorite one, man, that very first season. You know, you oh, got yeah. Diego, you got Josh Koscheck constantly messing with Diego, and they end up fighting, uh, you know, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin. It's just – it's a lot of fun, man. Uh, yeah, that, that was a that was a great show. And of course, you know, one and ten are the standouts, but man, season seven and then the Nate Diaz, Cole Miller, Joe Lozon season, season five. Uh I mean, for people listening who just maybe, especially if you're a younger MMA fan who missed some of those early seasons, oh man, the that show was, I mean, it was at the perfect time. That was when the real world and everything was out there. So I mean, it was like a a, a fun little reality TV show with fist fights. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was in our zone. We all used to. You remember you used to have those Affliction and the American Fighter shirts. You ever have those? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tap out shirts. I used to put mine on and watch in my living room, <laughs> man, and then go to wrestling practice. You know, and man, I, those were the days the oh, yeah. the golden the golden days of MMA. You know, you could go buy a black belt magazine. Oh yeah, have, it would have like the Nick Diaz shirts and like the George St Pierre bobbleheads in it and stuff. You could you could. Uh, fill out the thing in order. It was that was a, those were the good days, man. I, I like this new the new age of fighters that we're getting and the new age of fighting. Uh, but it's definitely nice to look back and kind of be nostalgic every now and then on those those golden days, you know. There were some crazy times, and again, the Ultimate Fighter is still producing talent. You know, we mentioned Paulo Costas from the uh, one of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil seasons, so another chance for a tough alum to become world champion here coming up this weekend. So uh, a fun night of fights, of course, uh, the UFC back in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island, Saturday night, two title fights, Adesanya Costa, Reyes, Blakovich, new light heavyweight champion to be crowned there. Uh, Josh and I will be back next week to kind of recap everything and then get you set for uh, the October 3rd card, which has got all sorts of crazy things happening to it. I believe now officially going to be headlined by Holly Holm and Irene Adanya, but they're still working through because I know uh, Carlos Condit is supposed to be on that card. Tom Breeze is supposed to be on that card. And it looks like the UFC wants to keep Glover on that card, but they have no idea who to put him with. And uh, Benil Dariush, another guy who's on the up and coming, they don't have an opponent for him either. So that'll either be one of those uh, out of nowhere good cards or we'll have to do a little bit of research before we do the show card. We'll see next week. Uh, Josh, real quick, though, I'm just going to put you on the spot here. Uh, pick us two winners in the title fights this weekend. Who are you going with? All right, man, just, just today, right? Today I'm going to have to pull for Israel Adesanya just because, like I said, uh, you know, anybody can be overwhelming and, and throw a lot of punches and, and uh, just really explode forward. But I think Israel is going to, he's going to counter punch really well. I think he's going to move really well. Uh, and I just, I think he probably gets the job done. And then you already know how I'm feeling about the, uh, the light heavyweight scrap. I think Polish power, Jan Blahovich uh, probably knocks out Dom Reyes. I'm going to say in the, in the, let's say the first round, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to go wild with it. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's a big-time bet right there. Yes, sir. Uh, it's a big one. I'll, I'll take Dominic Reyes by decision, and I'll take Israel Adesanya by decision coming up this weekend. So, again, that's just – if that's my prediction, 
take you a nap around two o'clock on Saturday so you can stay up till two a.m. and watch these fights. It's just I'm just it's gonna be one of those nights. I'm already I'm already bracing for it. Josh, fun as always, man. We'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Bring you a monster and uh and some Red Bull and you know, let's get this fight night started, man. It's gonna be a fun night of fights as always. We'll have our official picks up the baseline MMA baseline times website. Be sure to look that up coming up here tomorrow. That's going to be Friday morning. So sometime before the fights, you can look up all our picks and find out everything about all the sports going on. NBA playoffs, NFL week three coming up at college football, all that on the baseline times website. And of course we appreciate you listening. Hope you join us next week for Josh. I'm Cody. We'll see you next week here on baseline MMA. Adios. Thanks for listening to baseline MMA for written previews, recaps, and more plus NBA, NFL, and other sports coverage, visit our website at BaselineTimes.com. Follow the Baseline MMA Twitter for live fight coverage every weekend. For TJ, Josh, and Cody, until next week, thanks for joining us on another episode of Baseline MMA. Baseline MMA.